Hi, my name is Andy, and many of you don't know who I am. I'm brand new here at Menlo Church. I started back in November, and I had a wonderful three months, and then COVID hit. And uh, I am, you know, in this season, like, I cannot wait until we all get back together because I'm an extrovert, and I love hanging out with people. And so as soon as we're able to get back into the church and we're here at a church and want to talk about the church and how the church plays a part in every single one of our lives. But just so you can get to know me a little bit better, I'm on staff here on the executive team, on the production and the marketing team. And uh, I also have a family, I have a, a beautiful family, I think so anyway. And this is my oldest son, Trevor, and my daughter, Audra, and Nicole. And I just absolutely love these kids, and they are my, my family, but also, Menlo, you are now my church family. And uh, during the season that we are not together, we haven't been meeting as far as in person, but we've been meet, meeting digitally, and it's been good connecting that way. Um, I'm so excited about what Menlo is doing also, and today, just to let you know, we are launching not one, but two new services with Frank and uh, the 830 service, the traditional service called The Legacy. And if you love more of a traditional service, I want you to know about that and, and get connected there. And also Adam is doing the Sank service um, and it's being broadcast live on Facebook. So lots of great stuff happening here at Midlands so that we can continue to be connected uh, during this time. We're in the series called We the Church and I just absolutely love that because we need to remember what is the church all about? Why are we here? Why, what is the purpose of the church and, and what role do I play in the church? We started this uh, series talking about um, how us as a church, we the people, we the church, it's all about a relationship with Jesus. And Matt Stefan talked about that, that our relationship is up. It's with our relationship with Jesus. And then last week with Cheryl, she talked about in, how important it is to be connected to the people inside the church. And today I want to talk about out. So I want everybody at home right now, say those three words, up, in, and out. Come on, I can't hear you. Up, in, and out. That's what the church is all about. Because these really, really smart people asked Jesus a long time ago, they asked him, what is the most important commandment? What is the one thing I need to do in order to get God to love me? And they said, and Jesus responds, he says this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, up. And then he said, and, and also, love your neighbor in, Love your neighbor as yourself. And then when Jesus was getting ready to leave this earth, he gave this command to all of his disciples and everybody who is listening. So when somebody is getting ready to leave or you're getting ready to say goodbye, the last few words are really, really important. And he said, go into all the world and make disciples, followers of Jesus. And that's what we're talking about here today. So one more time, let's all say this, a core value for us at Menlo Church is the great commission and the great commandment to love God, to love up, to love in, love others, and to go out and love the world around us. So today I wanna to talk about the out, how God wants to uh, show us how important his church is and the part that he wants you to play in it. 
I don't know if you know this, but we've all been lied to. All of us here in America have been told this story. And actually, you, Menlo, you lied to me. You said that we could meet, connect, and uh, spend a lot of time together. So you lied to me. So all of you need to keep listening, that we all end up lying to each other. And, and in our society, our American culture says this, that the way to flourish in this life is to have an autonomous life. In other words, autonomy means I get to do what I want, when I want, how I want, where I want. I get to do whatever I want, where I want, and buy whatever I want. In other words, if somebody calls me and they say, hey, Andy, let's go have uh, coffee. I can say, nah, I don't really, I don't want to do that. That's autonomy. Uh, I can make a decision and say, hey, I want to go to Maui tomorrow and I'll do whatever I want. That's autonomy. I get to choose my schedule, what time I get up, what time I do, whatever it is that I want. And our American society has said that the goal of this life is to be autonomous, to do what I want, when I want, how I want. But when I reach and, and, and meet very wealthy people and they get to do whatever they want and how they want, where they want, a lot of them don't seem happy. They, they don't seem to have contentment. They don't seem to have a peace. They don't seem to have a purpose. Uh, my wife and I, we were walking around Atherton. We love to take a walk and we live near there, there, but not in Atherton, but nearby. And this one family was riding their bikes and uh, these three beautiful little girls and their dad. And one of the girls said, and my wife and I were listening and we heard them ask their dad, hey dad, what house are we going to go and uh, spend some time in? Are we staying at this house? Are we going to the house in Maui? Or are we going to the house in Phoenix? And how much longer are we staying at this house? And the dad said, well, we can do whatever we want, when we want, how we want. We'll figure it out when we get home, when we wanna leave and how long we wanna spend at each one of those houses. And I thought to myself, okay, that, that is the goal, isn't it? I mean, retirement isn't the goal anymore, but having an autonomous life, a, a life that I think that if I can do whatever I want, I'm flourishing, then I should be happy. That's when I find my purpose. But then I meet those people and later in their years, they're not happy. There isn't any peace, there isn't contentment, there, there isn't any joy. And then I meet other very wealthy people who have leveraged their money, they've leveraged their time, and they've invested in a local church, a body of a group of people. And, and they are excited to serve and they ex they're excited to get connected. They love to be a part of a church. And those people seem to have a peace, a contentment, a joy, a happiness, a purpose, a significance, and they understand their identity for themselves and their relationship with God. And there's just a peace and a joy about them. And today I wanna to just take a few minutes and talk about how to get that. Because if we apply this one principle here today, if we can figure out how to do this one thing, you and I can live a life of peace and joy. That when I realize and begin to understand how my little part fits into the bigger picture of what God is doing, 
That is where I find my significance. That's where I find my identity. That's where I find my purpose. So today I wanna jump into that because this is for all of us. If we apply this one little principle at the end and we go and do it, we can experience that kind of a fulfilling life. And so I wanna jump into this. How do we fit in to this, you know, what God is doing and the bigger purpose that God has for us. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to get your phones out or go to YouVersion or download uh, the Bible on your phones. And we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's in the New Testament. And there was this guy named Paul. And uh, Paul had it all. He was autonomous. He had degrees from the best universities in the first century. He was a smart, smart guy. He could do whatever he wanted. He had status in his culture, but he was miserable. So finally, one day, God showed up in his life, and he realized that, you know what? Autonomy isn't the answer for my happiness. And then he finally helped this church in Corinth begin to realize how their little part in God's bigger picture can bring joy and happiness in them. And so I wanna start with the end because a lot of you, I just know this, we know this from our analytics that um, many of you only watch about 17 minutes of an online service. So I'm gonna give you the ending first. And in case any of you turn this off or decide to go to the, the, the kitchen, get another cup of coffee, whatever it may be, you're gonna get the ending. And then I'm gonna go back to the beginning and show Paul's point of how to apply this one principle so that we can experience a flourishing life. He says this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Here's the ending. Now you are the body of Christ, you. And you're like, me, I'm the body of Christ? Yeah, you, I mean, you, me, I'm the body? No, no, not you personally, you, all of you, all 6,526 people watching this right now, you, you mean me? No, 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 no. I don't mean just you personally, I mean, you all, I think, I think Paul was a, a Southern boy. Actually, literally translated out of the Greek, it's y'all, y'all. Can you say y'all? There we go. You all, all of you are the body of Christ. Every single one of you, all of you together, each one of you is a part of it. And he begins to blow our minds of how important every single individual is in the body of Christ. In other words, the moment that you and I said yes to Jesus to come into our lives, that was an individual decision. But that personal individual decision connected us to something bigger. The moment that you and I became Christians, the moment you and I said yes to Jesus, no longer are we individuals and it's all about us, but in that moment, we became a part of something bigger, and he says, the body of Christ, which you may ask, you mean I'm a part of something? I thought I just said, Jesus, come into my life, and my spiritual life is individual, and it's just about me, and what I do. No, 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 there was so much bigger that in that moment, you became attached to a collective body of believers around the world, you became a part of the church. 
And the church, what he is beginning to explore and show us here is that the church is a movement. It's not a building. We love these buildings. We love showing up to these buildings. We love showing up on weekends and to the services and special events and classes that we do and the children's program and the youth program. But the church is not the building. The literal translation is ecclesia in the Greek. Have you ever, can you say ecclesia? There you go. Now, you, you, now you're speaking Greek. So the ecclesia is a gathering of people in a place. It's not a building. Have you heard it once said that Jesus says where, maybe some of you heard this, where two or three are gathered together, I am there in the midst of them. That Jesus loves the midst. Jesus loves a gathering of the people. We love what Mark Garner is doing with all of our big buildings and the six campuses that we have here. And, and we just, just love, you know, these beautiful buildings that we have across the, the South Bay. But these are places where people gather. The church isn't a building. And so where two or three are gathered together, just two or three, there I am. That's where Jesus is. And when we are connected with the other Christians and other Christians, even digitally right now, 6,000 people as we're watching this, we are connected as the body of Christ, collective together as one body. And so he says, now you are the body of Christ. Not you personally, but y'all, all of you are the body of Christ. Each one of you are a part of it. So let me go to the beginning uh, of what uh, argument that Paul has here and, and what he's trying to say and help us begin to realize. Now, he gives us this unbelievable word picture of this description of the body of Christ and the part that we play in it. And uh, he, he's really funny, and I think he's trying to make a joke. And I think if there was an audience, they would start laughing uh, because it's a little bit silly what he's trying to do. But he says this, just, just check this out. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, he says this, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. What? What are you talking about? Sounds a little complicated. What do you mean, Paul? So it is with Christ. And he uses the word Christ and the church interchangeably here. He uses them back and forth. The church and Christ are the same thing. They're synonymous. And so those are, has many parts, but those many parts form into one, one body of Christ, that the church is the body of Christ. When we are gathered together, it's as close to Jesus as we could ever get here on this earth. Then verse 13, he says, for we were all baptized. In other words, the moment we received Jesus into our lives, we then now, once we're baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. So when we were baptized, then we became a part of one body. And then he says, whether Jews or Gentiles, and a Jew would have said, what? And a Gentile would have said, what? I can't hang out with Jews. And Jews would be saying, I can't be around a Gentile. What are you talking about? And right there, he's deflating racism and breaking it down. Slave or free, rich or poor. No, 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 no. Once we are uh, 
Christians or followers of Jesus, we are all one body, one church. We don't need a bunch of separate churches and separate people by race or social economic status or whatever it may be. We, once we become Christians, we are one body and it blew them away. And we were all given the one spirit in Christ to drink. Then he goes on, he says, well, let me explain. I know it's still a little bit complicated. So verse 14, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So he starts describing the body. He says, you know, the body is made up of, you know, many different parts. And we're like, yeah, Paul, okay, we're following you so far. Verse 15, now, if the foot should say, and this is where Paul starts getting funny. If the foot should say, the foot, I mean, the foot, if the foot should say, has your foot ever talked to you? I mean, he's, he's making fun of the foot now. I mean, feet, I don't know if you know this, but feet don't talk. So if the foot would say, I'm not happy down here. It's stinky. You put me in the shoe and I don't like the shoe. If the foot would say, I mean, what would it say? If the foot would say, um, <clears throat> even though I should say, because I am not a hand, I wish I was a hand. I mean, the thing to be is a hand, not a foot. I do not belong to the body. And then he said, it would not be for that reason to stop being a part of the body. What, what do you mean? What he's saying is because the foot doesn't understand its role, doesn't mean that the foot is not connected to the body. That even though the foot is talking and may not be happy or may not understand why it's a foot, it doesn't mean it's not connected to the body. The reason why the foot is a part of the body is because the foot is connected to the body. That is also true for you and me. Even though I may not understand my role in the church, it doesn't mean I'm not connected to the body of Christ. Then in verse 16, he goes on and says, let me explain a little bit more. And if the ear should say, what? Well, if the ear should say, what? If the ear should say, what? The ear is talking now? Yeah, because I am not an eye. Man, I wish the ear, I wish I was an eye. I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, imagine that. Now he's getting really funny. What if the whole body was an eye? Can you imagine that? The whole body is this big eye. I mean, that'd be pretty weird and kind of gross. But anyway, kind of rolling around all over the place. Where would the sense of hearing be? What? Where would the sense of hearing be? What? I mean, if, if the whole body were an eye, I mean, an eye can't hear, so how can you hear? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So in other words, I mean, every single part of the body is important. And if, even if we don't understand it and understand my role in the body, Every small part of the body is important to the whole. In other words, this is so important for you and me, that I cannot discover my purpose. I cannot discover my significance. I can't discover my identity. I can never experience peace in my life unless I am connected to the body. And then this next verse, verse 18, if if we could grab a hold of this and apply it to our lives, it has the potential to change everything about us. He says this in 18, 
But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every single one of them, my hands, my feet, my ears, my eyes, my head, my feet, my legs, my heart, every single part of them, just as he wanted them to be. I mean, God's placed every single part exactly where he wants them to be. Now, I've been to seminary. It took me four years to get through seminary. I have no idea what he's talking about here. <laughs> and I could read this in the Greek, but I, I, I'm going to take a guess. That God arranges the body according to where God wants to use your purpose and my purpose. And God arranges his body to fulfill his greater purpose that I don't understand my identity. I don't understand what my purpose is. I don't understand what God wants me to do. And there is never any peace until I connect myself to the body of Christ where God has placed me and I stay connected and I begin to use if I'm a hand or a finger and God arranges the body. I don't know how God orchestrates that. But God is able to do that, and he does that because it's the body of Christ. And God can do whatever God wants to do in his body. I know that a lot of us are hurting and grieving by the fact that John Orberg, our pastor who had been here for 17 years, is not here. And I came here to work with him, and he's not here. And I know that pain of having somebody that, you know, you look up to, who has taught us, who uh, has been our pastor for many, many years. But God rearranges his body and moves people to different places at different times because God, at the end of the day, has a bigger plan for John and for Menlo and every other church. I know that all of our friends up in Santa Rosa, California, I was a pastor there for 21 years and uh, love the people at New Vintage and love Sonoma County and praying for them during this time of the fires and everything that they're going through. But my wife Kelly and I fell deeply in love with the people in Santa Rosa. But to say goodbye to them, that God rearranged the church and today there's a guy named Darren there and he's pastoring and God brought us here and I'm doing some things that I've never done before and I'm learning and God has rearranged me from being a foot to an arm or, you know, I'm doing different things here at Menlo. But God has a way of rearranging all of us and it hurts a little bit because we're not sure what our role is and, and just because I don't know what my role is, it doesn't mean... I'm not a part of the body. And so Menlo Church, I think this passage is showing us so, so very clearly that the church is more than one person. Even though a pastor may come and go and a staff person may come and go, God is always orchestrating and rearranging. And it is just amazing, amazing grace of how he orchestrates his body for the greater function and purpose and what God is wanting to do in this world to fulfill his purposes here on this earth. So then he finishes up with verse 19 and he says this, if they were all one part, all of these parts, where would the, the body be? 
As it is, there are many parts, but he says it one more time, one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. He gets a little funny again. He gets kind of serious, then he gets kind of funny. He says, I, the, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And, and I bet the hand would respond back and say, well, go ahead and try to put your contacts in. Oh, yeah, I need you in the morning. Put my contacts in. Well, what about in the evening? Oh, I don't need you. And then he says, oh, yeah, at night, try taking your contacts off or your glasses or put a hat on. Give it a shot. See what happens. Oh, you don't need me? Oh, yeah, we do. We need each other. And then he said, and the head cannot say to the feet, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Oh, really? I bet the foot would respond back to the head and say, oh, good luck. Go try walking around somewhere, trying to get around with your big, ugly head all over the place. Try to figure that out. Yeah, they need one another. Verse 22, and then he says this, and he brings it home. On the contrary, contrast, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Did you know that you are indispensable? Write that in the chat, right? Write that in the Facebook groups and, and tell the people in the church and tell everybody around you, I am indispensable. And everybody in the chat, write back, yes, we love you, you are important, we need you. Every single person is important as every single body part is important. And then he finishes with this. Now you, as we started our talk, you, all of you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. In other words, friends, the goal is not autonomy. The goal is connection. The goal is not do what you want, when you want, how you want. The goal is to connect to the body of Christ because when we get connected to the body of Christ, that is where we grow. I mean, I was a pastor for 30 years and, and uh, all those years I would hear now and then people say, you know, pastor, I'm just not growing or I'm leaving this church because you're not feeding me, pastor. Feed me, pastor. Feed me, pastor. That growth doesn't happen by more information, but growth happens by application. I mean, when I was in Santa Rosa, before church, I would go to um, a, a Starbucks and I would see our volunteers with their t-shirts, their guest service shirts, or their little children's ministry shirts, or you know, the kids or the student shirts. And I would walk up to them and, and say, hey, thank you so much. Um, Laura, you know, Ballantine, Lori Ballantine and Laura Rucker, thank you so much for serving. And I'd walk through the halls of the children's ministry and I'd say, thank you, everybody. Thank you for serving. Every single time they would say to me, thank, you're thanking me? <laughs> no. Thank you for providing me a place to connect to the body of Christ. I have never grown more in my faith. I have never grown more in my spiritual maturity. I've never grown more in my life since starting to serve in this local church. Friends, when somebody isn't growing spiritually, when somebody is dying from the inside out, when somebody doesn't know what your purpose is, it's because you are not connected to the body of Christ. The goal is not autonomy. The goal is connection. So here's my one question. How are you connected to the body of Christ? Let me use this one more illustration. It may, may seem kind of gross. 
if I cut this finger off, God forbid, and I took this fi finger and I put it over here, what would happen to that finger? It's gross. It would decompose, it would die, it'd shrivel up, it'd be ugly. It'd be horrible. And anybody looking at that finger would say, that is gross. I'm kind of wondering if that's what God does or says or when he looks at a believer who's not connected to the body of Christ, you're, you're dying from the inside out. You're not growing spiritually. Now, we have been in this church at, at Menlo, and many of you have been listening to John for 17 years, and you're filled up with information. It's kind of it's like this, kind of like this paint can right here. It's full of paint. And paint inside of a paint can, if it doesn't eventually get used, have you, have you gone into your garage and opened up a paint can and it, it had all this paint, it was gooey and it was almost solid and it was horrible, that when we are not connected to the body of Christ, it's kind of like all this information that we have been gaining as Christians, feed me, pastor, feed me, pastor, feed me. If you don't ever apply it or use it, it gets all shriveled up and all gooey and all gross and it can't be used. God wants to use you to accomplish his greater purposes that every little piece of this paint in here is designed for something bigger and better. So here's the point for today. That application and information without application is dead, it doesn't work that God wants us to apply everything that we have learned, that the local church is about a group of people who are applying the information they have and they take it from the inside and they apply it on the outside so that the world can be a beautiful place. So here's my question one more time. How are you connected? Where are you connected in the church? So today, I just want to emphasize two places. And um, if anything, a win for us here today is that you would take a step and say, okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get connected. I'm, I'm going to do something and find something in the church. And I just want to say this. On average, it takes about three to four times of different places of serving in the church that eventually you go, oh, that's my niche. I love that. I love doing that. So when you start serving in the church the first time and you, you're like, ah, that, that's not for me, that doesn't mean serving's not for you. That just means God is repositioning you, you for something that he is strategically placing you in the right place. There's two ministry areas that I want to emphasize today that's super easy and would be a life-changing for every single one of you as you take the step and take a chance because we care about the next generation. We care about helping the next generation win. I absolutely love Menlo Kids and what we're doing in our children's ministry. And some of you may not know what's happening there. And so I want to invite John Garrison, who is the director for Menlo Kids. Welcome, John. Hey, thanks for having me, Andy. What, uh, what is going on with the kids? Are you still meeting? We're under COVID. Uh, is that program completely stopped? Yeah, we shut everything down. You did? We're, we're oh, not opening up man. ever again. No, uh, oh. I mean, back when COVID first hit, shelter in place first hit, uh, I mean, we quickly transitioned to online, but we 
noticed that something was missing, honestly. Oh. And so a couple of weeks ago, we began something called Menlo Kids Live. And what Menlo is- Kids Live, what is that? Yeah, so it happens at, at 10 and 11.30 uh, with our preschoolers, our elementary kids, and our uh, preteens, the fourth and fifth graders. And so what that really is, is it's a live experience that kids can be a part of, where they get to choose what happens next, where um, random things happen. They never know what will happen from week to week. Um, and it just kind of keeps them on their toes, but it is truly a live experience that kids and families get to be a part of. So they watch the program, they learn a principle and God's Bible and and his word for their lives. But then what happens right after that? Do they break off or something? In fact, that's what the whole program set up to do. It's set up for life groups to happen. And so this is where, like you mentioned, serving, volunteering, getting involved, getting off the sidelines and into the game really comes to play. Um, We have spaces for anywhere from about 40 people total, uh, about you know two to eight uh, volunteers for every location that we're looking for. And these are opportunities for uh, you to, for those people to make a difference in the lives of kids, but then ultimately that God will transform them as a person as they lead. So the people who are serving, if people say, yeah, I, I'm in, their lives will be changed and then the kids' lives will be changed. Absolutely, that's the formula. Thank you, John. Appreciate it, man. Keep it up. Uh, And they can certainly go to the chat if they're interested, or they can go to menlo.church forward slash kids, and there's plenty of places where you can click on to say, hey, I'm interested. A great place to take a step and start serving. The next person I want to introduce you to is to Matt Lewis. Matt Lewis is our student ministries uh, pastor and oversees the youth pastors of six campuses, a great, great leader. And what is happening with student ministries? Have you guys stopped meeting? Is it is it happening or is it done or you're just not meeting because the church We're is... still going. Whoa. We're doing it. We've mm. been uh, meeting live every Wednesday night, seven o'clock on YouTube. And we truly are going live just like John and the kids. And it's wild. There's worship. There's teaching. We've also seen people People drink Happy Meal milkshakes. Don't Google it or Google it. It's kind of gross. But they're, I mean, it's an interesting night, but we have a ton of fun uh, and it's been going really well. So how can somebody volunteer in that area? I mean, how can we help the next generation win? Sure, sure. Well, like John said, we also have some opportunities at every campus, anywhere from three to eight spots available at every campus for you to step in and make make a difference, the difference in the life of a student. Uh, We've got students who need leaders, who need adults to leave adult world and descend into middle school or high school world, which could be scary, but for a purpose, to walk alongside that student. So that student knows that they have someone who cares about them, who loves them. And if if you want some more information about that, we'll we'll put it in the chat. You can also go to menlo.church slash student. You can find out more information about how to literally make the difference in the life of a student. So children are meeting live Sunday mornings and the students you're meeting live on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock on YouTube. And this is a great way to make an impact and change the next generation, make an influence in the next generation. That's it. So small group leaders, tons of things. They need people handling cameras, all sorts of stuff. Get involved, get engaged. Matt, thank you. Let me pray for us as we finish our service here today. And we're gonna sing a song at the end. And so before we do that, let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you for this opportunity to talk about what it means to be up in a relationship with Jesus and in and to love one another and and now to be out and, and to serve those in our church and be connected to the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would give every person the courage to take that step. It may be scary because we're not sure what our role is. We're not sure how we fit in. We're not sure if we have what it takes and we have a little bit of fear. But God, we have enough information that 
we can talk to somebody and we can be in a small group with children and, and, and just encourage them. We, we can be with students, even though they may be scary and even junior hires may be scary, but the greatest thing that we could ever do is to take the step and trust you and be connected to the body of Christ. So God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would give every single person the courage. Imagine, imagine if every person at Menlo Church was serving in the body of Christ, what a difference our world would make. God, give us the courage to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.